Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI on Gripped. I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Michael Dwyer. Michael, how are you on this beautiful day? I'm beautiful too. Of course you are. You're beautiful every day. I keep my beauty hidden on the inside though because I don't want people to be jealous and hostile towards me. So you just sit at your window listening to Eleanor Rigby over <laughs> and over again? Yeah, that's far too close to the truth for me to be comfortable talking about. So I think we should talk about what's happening in the world, Gary. Staring out the window, <laughs> looking at the good makeup. <laughs> I mean, let's let's start going into this. The thing we said shouldn't happen and then happened and now appears to be um, going pearly. I think the best of all policy things, Michael. What's that? A thing we say you shouldn't do, and then someone does, and then it goes pearly, so we get to stand there and go, well, we did tell you you shouldn't have done that. You're not talking about the uh, perfectly sensible and reasonable proposals for the replacement of the leaving certificate, are you? I am talking about the Association for Secondary Teachers of Ireland, the ASTI, saying that its members should not engage with predicted grades at all. Because they're afraid they're going to get their arses sued off, possibly? That would appear to be exactly what they're worried about. Well, now, the the TUI has come out and said that the legal indemnity put forward by the department seems sufficient. But the ASTI went, mm, uh, no, we would like the greatest possible legal indemnity we could receive because this is leading to court cases. Now, you have to remember, Gary, let's, let's be fair here. The people who work for the TUI are basically woodwork teachers. So, you know, maybe PE, I don't know. <laughs> and you will be told that. Uh, I w- if I was a member of the TUI, I would be appreciative of the fact that up to now, actually, I would say that the TUI and the, the leadership of the TUI has handled the thing much better. But they, the TUI has pretty well obviously dedicated itself to the position that they are going to be the good boys in this story. They're not going to be the bad boys and they're not going to cause anybody any trouble, which is grand. Until you get to a certain point. The STI are sort of known as the difficult teachers union. I don't think they actually have that many members, though. I think they are they are the much smaller of the crowd. I couldn't find exact membership figures for them this year, but I know um, in 2018 they were down to about 16,000 and it had been falling for a couple of years. But there's a number of... There's a number of factors going on there. I would say that historically the TUI, I'd say, was probably the more bolshy of the two unions. Now, also, because if you can, the, the clue is in the name. It's the Teachers' Union of Ireland. When ASTI was set up, the Association of Secondary School Teachers, it was specifically set up not as a trades union because teaching is a profession and professionals do not have unions. Lawyers don't have a union. Uh, doctors don't have unions, so ASTU set up as an association explicitly, not a trades union, because it's not a trade. Now, one of the other reasons ASTU, well, the number of reasons ASTU numbers have declined, I'd say the recent bolshiness, the, there's been a bit of a shift at the top where a bunch of committed, more radical types have done the classic old-fashioned cell Bolshevik thing of turning up to all the meetings and wanting and going after you know the positions that nobody else wants and eventually getting themselves into power, even though they may not. In fact, I would guess definitely don't match up with the 
should we say, ideological profile of the union. The other thing is, ASTI members tend to come from what we call vol- the voluntary sector, the voluntary schools, which would have been the old convent schools, brothers' schools, that kind of thing. Now, that's a that's a, a, an area of the of the educational market which has been gone after, basically, by the department, by government, uh, uh, pretty savagely over the last 20 years or more. And we've also, as we've seen, the growth, new schools. You almost never see a new school, which is a voluntary school. They're all going, the community schools, vocational schools, community colleges, that kind of thing. And then when you have an amalgamation taking place, you will sometimes have an amalgamation where two voluntary schools and will stay in the voluntary sector. But increasingly, you'll see a case where you get two or three schools coming together. And community. and in those schools, you're going to have a mix of, but very often you're going to have more TUI people in it. So ASTI is, yeah, it's in decline. But it is kicking up at the moment. I, uh, I had a, a look through what's been publicly released on the indemnity, just to see what, what ASTI we're talking about. So the department has released a circular called Calculated Grades for Leaving Certificate 2020, Guide for Schools on Providing Estimated Percentage Marks and Class Rank Orderings. I'll throw that below in the notes of the podcast, should anyone be that bored. But anyway, item 25, Legal Indemnity. Uh, it says the indemnity can be invoked by when someone is sued in their own capacity um, on the teachers, the schools, and the board of managements. It does say this indemnity will be subject to conditions around notification and cooperation with the state in defending any legal cases should they arise and will only be capable of being invoked where a person has acted bona fide, i.e. has made every reasonable effort to carry out their role in accordance with the guidance provided in this guide and the relevant circular of the Department of Education and Skills, full stop, full stop. Yeah, you see, that, that would not make me massively happy. As a teacher, when I um, that they have to have done everything in bona fide, any reasonable person. There's something else, just to contextualise this, uh, that I'm not sure if it was yesterday or the day before, it was announced that teachers, all teachers would have to also announce a conflict of interest. If there existed a conflict of interest, which sh- would preclude them from being able to correct fairly. Now, I think what they're talking about there is if they're talking about a child, uh, there being the, you know, the parent of a child or something that uh, who's, being, who's being assessed. And obviously, in that kind of situation, you wouldn't want them to do it. But that principle, it seems to me, is, um, is one that leads you open. Once, if, you, if you accept that, if there's a case, that there are cases where teachers should recuse themselves from doing this, well... That obviously means that it, this system is not simply an aggregation of available data, but rather there is some input from the teacher. Now, Gary, I can imagine, now you might be shocked, but I can imagine there will be people out there who would say, well, this teacher has shown a consistent and persistent pattern of biased and hostile behaviour towards my beautiful son slash beautiful daughter and is and should have recused themselves and has given my beautiful son or my beautiful daughter a C when they clearly were going to get a B or an A mm. and I'm going to sue them. I mean, the AST is also saying that they need clarification on legal expenses. Uh, it, they say that what they've been given looks like it only covers solicitor's costs, 
but you know there could be fees for expert witnesses there could be any other expense they'd need to deal with now the documents i've seen the ones that are publicly available don't go into costs at all so the asti and the tui presumably have greater information on this well there's I, what i've seen there hasn't been a great there hasn't been a whole lot more detail going around and i think that there's a little bit of sense that asti feel and in this and i'm not a great fan of the current asti leadership, that they are being, in a sense, a sold a pig in a poke. They are being asked to accept on, oh, you know, don't, that principle of, don't worry, it'll be all right, trust us. Now, Gary, would you trust this government to get the details of a thing right? That, that is the thing. Asti, on the reading of this, are absolutely correct. There will be situations in which a teacher will not be covered. The problem is that it's going to be very easy to present this as, well, they'll be covered in every instance in which they've acted properly. Yeah. And that really depends how much you trust the government. Like, it would be very easy to use that provision if the government wanted to, to, let's say, not help. Um, If it didn't want to help a teacher, for instance. And you'd find some reason why they hadn't gone with best practice and why a reasonable person wouldn't uh, accept it. I am very, very loathed when I see, when I'm asked to do something based on something being reasonable or something being fair. I'd, I'd like to know, could, could, you, could we get the parameters of what that means a little bit? in relation to this, where a lot of this is going to be less of a checklist and more of a, I tried my best. Yeah, Absolutely. And so, yeah, I think the ASTI do have a legitimate concern that someone, one of their members will get sued. It'll go to the department and the department will go, well, actually, we think you should have recused yourself or we think that you should have done this a different way. We understand why you did it that way. It's, you know, that's perfectly fine. It's just we don't think that's what I, what we would have done. And so you're on your own. But best of luck. And we hope you win. I am not the most pro-union person in existence. No, well, you really. have a situation. I know it's shocking. <laughs> shocking. Um, although I'm not as anti-union as many people would think I am, but you have a situation in which the state has asked a group of people to do something that has a very high likelihood of causing legal action to be brought against them. Something which they really, really, really do not want to do, which they also believe will be unfair and unworkable, but they are still willing to do it. So in that case, yeah, I can understand the ASTI's uh, concern. And I would be interested to see what's being told privately to the ASTI and the TUI and why that was enough to get the TUI on side and not the ASTI. I mean, it could simply be that there is uh, there are questions here from both of them and the TUI trusts the government slightly more than the ASTI. But I think in a, in relation to legal matters... You want as little as possible reliant on trust, what, what and as much as possible on. Well, this is what's happening. This with this administration, and to to be fair, pretty well all administrations. When you're talking about outcomes in courtrooms and things that could eventually that could theoretically cost you your livelihood or your profession, uh, or and your and a lot of money. I really don't think that it would be what I would call prudential to say, ah, sure, the government will, they'll, they'll, ah, they'll have this covered. They'll have worked out the details. 
this is uh, these are a group of people it seems to me who are exceedingly bad at working out the details but it begs the question now i think that the indemnity will have they will have to give them something which sounds basically like what they're asking for because what's the alternative gary what you know the music there hasn't been printed so no going back on this thing I don't know. Yeah, so you've got a photocopy. There, there's that really big photocopier up in the door. Surely to God, they should be able to get that organ, get something. Because how, how <laughs> doing an exam now would be tricky. I mean, what would the logistics be? I wonder if they did decide. I mean, they have to be. There has to be a paper somewhere. There has to be a proto paper somewhere because eventually. A paper will have to be published, will have to be printed, because in theory, they are going to offer the possibility of doing this exam sometime, even if it's next January. That is supposed to be a choice. That they, oh, that's the other thing. Have you seen this? It's not, it was announced that children, students will have to opt in to have their grades assessed with predictive marking. I thought they have to opt out. Of no, yeah. no, they have to opt into predictive marking. I don't, I don't know why that is. I, I had assumed that you they were going to be. The, the assumption was that, you know, if you wanted to do the exam, you'd say, "Well, no, actually, I, I'm going to do the exam." I, I can see a couple of legal reasons they may do it that way. So you have to opt in. They can put a series of conditions in front of you. Yes, which are that part you, of the opt-in process that you accept. accept. I accept the following conditions mm. of uh, purchase. I can also, uh, I can also see that uh, there may be one or two people that don't get the message or didn't quite understand the message, and will, I will, will end up with neither a written nor a predictive uh, leaving cert at all, in the in the midst of all this fun and frolics. Yeah, no, I, I just on on that point, I, I can see the ASTI's point, and uh, I'm, I am not as against it as I have been against nearly everything else the ASI and ASTI and the TUI have done, but I suppose that is, I mean, it's, it's like talking to people about state aid at the minute for businesses, and um, I'm, I'm expected to be incredibly against it in all instances. But on the other hand, I think in this situation, you do have to go, yes, well, the government did shut your entire sector down. Yeah, I, it's, it's, this is not a question. We're not talking about your classic example of losing businesses being forced, being, being kept going by government jollies. Oh, by the way, it's nothing to do with anything, but I saw the, I saw, it is incredible this, the level, you know, that, nonsense that people can get into their heads about certain kinds of things and we're going to see much more of this after the this whole pandemic thing because it's part of it it was already happening food security energy security pharmaceutical security there's going to be this desperate desire that every country in the world will do everything it wants to and you have to have your so one of the things historically that was 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 uh people needed to have was an an airline you had to have your own airline did you see and, and I, i'm saying this because i just think it's hilarious alitalia has just got another five billion euro bung from the italian government because for some reason the italians can't just let go 
there are thousands of small businesses initially that are making money, that are successful, exporting lovely bits of furniture and design and arty things and fashiony things and shoes and yokes all over the world. And they've been forced to close. <laughs> and they will and they are desperately struggling. I've talked to people all the time on the phone trying to get the money, trying to get the supports, trying to get the income supports, trying to get the the this guarantees from the banks which were supposed to be given that they wouldn't come looking for mortgage payments or loan bonds. But but an airline which I don't know if it's ever made money, Gary and they're pouring billions into it because you have to ha- you, you can, they just can't let it die yeah i i don't know if they've well, they probably have made money at some point not recently but they have revenue their revenue is quite high like you're talking two and a half three billion until not that long ago they were operating with a fairly protected situation in the, within the italian market certainly the italian domestic market and, you know, Italy's a long old country. You go, you want to go from Venice to Palermo. You're not going to walk it. So I can't remember the last time I flew. In the in the last, Jesus, when I started flying to 30 years, odd, I've been flying to and from either Rome or Milan. And it's been a very long time since you could even consider buying a ticket with Alitalia price-wise. They were just so far off competitive. Aer Lingus would beat them. I mean, like a fraction of the price every time. They are pretty perpetually bankrupt. I remember a report in Reuters, probably at the start of the year, and it, I think they were saying that uh, Alitalia loses about €2 million Euro a day. Yes, yeah, yeah. Every day. Horrendous. It's, it's a gaping hole. There was a proposal. You know, these joined-up things. It was a big, the big thing was going to be the saviors. All these airlines join up together and there was a proposal Alitalia was going to join in with Sabina and some others <laughs> and it would have gone forward except Sabina just couldn't quite make it to the it collapsed dead in the door <laughs> and the, you know what Sabina went bust oh in the 90s so whatever that is it's some time ago and Belgium still keeps going and people in Belgium still seem to manage to get in and out of the country it's, it's a miracle but you're saying about the business phase. <laughs> Here are businesses, yeah, absolutely. These are businesses which would have stayed open otherwise and would have done business otherwise and have been told and forced to close. And do you know what? Well, there's no point in talking about whether or not it was the right thing or the wrong thing, but... It was a thing. It was a thing that was done. And if we were to behave as if, as a normal thing, normally in this kind of a situation where you have a, a supply-side recession... You act, you actively want those businesses that don't succeed and can't adapt and don't meet the costs and haven't met the change in the market situation. You want them to go out of business because you want a clearing out. But th- this is a different scenario because you're going to see the destruction of successful businesses here in a way that they want, I mean, burst open so they can't recover because the nature, the nature of the way we do business is very different than it was, say, 50 years ago. Everything is just on time. Everything is on very tight margins. People are operating off very, very low cash reserves in comparison to, say, 40 years ago. The capacity to survive without cash flow, without turnover over a period of months is much more limited than it would have been. So 
the government done it to them, so the government has to help. The Green Party. The Green, I mean, I thought the Social Democrats were the party that least wanted to be in government, possibly followed by Fine Fáil or Fine Gael. But they are, they are really kicking up a fuss here. So there are two stories about the Green Party internally that I think give people uh, a little bit of pause at the minute. One is that the Green Party seems like it's about to have a leadership election. Well, it, by its constitution, it has to have a leadership election every six months. People what? assume... Sorry? In, what? 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 Uh, six months after a election, sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. You know, because I could have believed it. People assumed it was basically going to be a coronation of Eamon Ryan because you know he'd, got, he'd gotten the party back to have a couple of TDs. They were in government formation talks. Everything is going pretty solidly. Uh, but that's not the case. And then the second piece of news is that the Green Party want, in the next government, want to be the people who decide who becomes Attorney General. It's, a, it's an odd, you know, it's... What do you want for Christmas, Charlie? Charlie looked. He narrowed his eyes and said, I want a bow and arrow set, Mummy. But why do you want a bow and arrow set? Oh, I have my reasons. Don't you worry about it. I don't know. I don't know if I give Charlie the bow and arrow set. What, why, why don't they want environment, for example? Well, you see, they're, or worried. Finance? they're worried that if Fianna Fáil or the Greens um, or anyone else is able to select the next Attorney General, well, that person might block some of the legislative changes they would like to see happen. Which is to say, because the Attorney General gives advice as to the constitutionality of law, which is to say that the Green Party are concerned that if they don't have sway on who becomes the next Attorney General, constitutional issues with some of the things they propose may be brought up, which would seem to me dodgy. It would certainly raise raise a concern, Gary. It would raise a concern... Uh, I'm reminded I mean, if, of if, if your the, first step is we need to get rid of that oversight that we we need to neuter that watchdog. Mm. Yeah, that old mm. constitution. You know, <coughs> as you know, our friend Paddy Manning has often remarked about Fine Gael that they're not actually the party of law and order. They're the party that just lots of order and very little law. Uh, and famously, I I. I their attitude to the constitution is always a little bit seeing it as an impediment to letting the government get on deal with these things properly. I wonder, are the, maybe the Greens are truly just Finnegale on bicycles. They're not interested in those constitutional niceties that go around protecting people's private property. God almighty, did you see the attack? What they said, they actually said that they wanted to move away where. Uh, your pro- what was it? All the means of production was basically in the hands of cooperatives. The I Green mean, Party, yeah, the Green Party. It's well, the Green Party had had a, a thing in their manifesto that said they wanted to facilitate the movement of businesses to worker-owned cooperatives, which, depending on what they mean by that, is either perfectly fine or perfectly fine. Because if it's just saying it's an option on the table and it should be easier. Okay, that's perfectly fine. If that's what a business wants to do and how it wants to run itself, there have been successful businesses run using that model. 
Absolutely. There have also been businesses that have been successful and totally imploded because of that model. But, you know, that's a choice for the business owners to make. If, however, you're talking about, uh, say, the Kulak, uh, the uh, the approach to the de-Kulakization of, ag- of agriculture, where you say, well, no, no, we're going to form some cooperatives here and we're going to help. And the helping involved killing all the Kulaks. Well, then you'd be a little bit less enthusiastic. I mean, at least if those people were killed, they'd be burned for energy. <laughs> I, I, the only thing, the only thing that surprised me about that little debacle uh, when the Greens showed quite how red they were was the uh, the strength, the passionate response of a junior minister in Fine Gael who uh, called them nutters. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, talking about how red the Greens will be, I think that's part of this leadership contest. Eamon Ryan is just perceived as not being sufficiently uh, on side on certain things. I also love the speed with which Catherine Martin stabbed him in the back. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. uh, as political intrigues go, you have someone who works with Eamon Ryan closely, is helping the Greens, or may in fact be leading the Greens' negotiations for government formation. She's asked, will she stand against him? And she, instead of saying that, you know, I fully support Eamon and uh, securing Eamon's position, says, I will consider this. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of reassuring in another way to know that at the end of the day, they're politicians like any other. They're just as weak and vain and ambitious and wicked and untrustworthy and venal as Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael are on, on any day. And that they, they're in there and she has a right for the main chance. Now, of course, she has a right for the main chance because viewing a country and a globe in crisis and convinced that she has very special gifts to offer, she feels it is her moral obligation to very seriously consider that proposition. It's not for any other reason than that. Not self-aggrandizement or raw political ambition. But yeah, the knife went in right between the two ribs. And quick. Oh yeah, zoom. Done. Sharp. And now Eamon Ryan may be fighting after leading the party to 12 TDs. Yeah, I can't. You have to imagine Eamon is looking around going, what the fuck, lads? When did this happen? Why? How? Catherine, really? Ah? Come on. Do you remember? Well, you you don't remember. I have to, It's a kind of analogous to Albert Reynolds. Albert Reynolds managed through a series of swinging strokes, really, after a very bad result for Fianna Fáil in the 92 election. I think they only got 68 seats. It's the first time they've been under 70 seats for, I don't know, maybe ever, or maybe since 19, 1932 election or something. But anyway, Albert manages to against all predictions to get uh, into government with uh, Dick Spring on the spring tide. Albert was, he was key in beginning the that process which was going to lead to the ceasefire and peace in the north. Unemployment was dropping like a stone. Inflation was down at like half a percent. The country was growing at 9%. Employment was expanding massively. Taxation was falling. The debt was being reduced year by year. 
Ireland was in 1994 in the grips of the Celtic Tiger. And Albert wakes up one day and they've sacked him. And I've often thought, if you're Albert Reynolds, you must think to yourself, what the fuck do you have to do in this country to stay <laughs> in a job? You know, by any metric, I am the most successful Taoiseach in the history of the feckin' gaff. And here I am unemployed. And Eamon, poor Eamon is there. I put, but it was, it was, it was parties and chocolates and wine only like a couple of weeks ago. And now, now I'm going to get the heave ho. I just like the idea of him going 2016, two TDs. Yeah. 2020, 12 TDs. 12 TDs. 12 is, is many times greater than two. Many times. One, by that two, metric, three, many. My leadership was fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, Martin is saying his leadership was great and he lost TDs. Yeah. Frankly, if you'd have all, I'd be happy if they have 12 TDs next time round. <laughs> <laughs> Under me all, anyway. So, yeah, what the hell? The, politics, nobody said it was fair, Gary. Nobody said it was fair. It's a tough old sport. Because it was very funny. Well, it can be. If you're not intimately involved. If you're intimately involved, it's more tragedy than comedy. Oh, yeah, no, it's terrible to lose your job because of things like this. <laughs> but it's just wonderful Still, it's nice to, to have see. a job. It is. But it's, you know, and Eamon, I'm sure, is is really overjoyed at knowing that Catherine says her main focus remains the crucial government formation talks. Hmm. Which I am deeply sceptical about. And and Catherine will give that. her all to leading those talks for the Green Party. <laughs> and getting the best possible result for the Green Party through her leadership of the Green Party in those talks. Absolutely. I did also like the um, the response of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, the sort of, like, lads, we're having, like, the government formation talks, we're, like, we're right in the middle of them. Could you do this? Do it on your own time. Like, later or never. We don't don't really care, but, like... We have a job here, like, lads, come on, come on, you know. Get this fence built. And I've liked, like, the young Greens have come out in support of Catherine. The young Greens. And she has gotten the amount of nominations required to run as leader. While not standing for leader, obviously, this is a... uh, This is just a groundswell of support, which she in no way supports. Absolutely. But, you know, <clears throat> if after a while it becomes clear that there is a hunger for change, that there is a mass swelling up of support for her in the party, <clears throat> and that the people of the party feel that she is the person best suited to lead the party forward. I mean, the letter that was sent to her by, the, by four councillors asking if she would uh, stand as leader, I mean, really, really does speak highly of her. You know, in February, Ireland voted for change, Michael. We believe with your style of leadership, your convictions and your work ethic that you were the right person to lead the Green Party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you she are a no powerful part. communicator with an ability to win hearts and minds. I've never seen Catherine Martin speak. Or I, if I have, I can't remember it. It was a, a forgettable experience I have, and it was a forgettable experience. Then again, I mean, the one thing you have to say is lovely that they wrote that without any encouragement or help from her or any Absolutely. advice on the framing or mm-hmm. the or, of the document or the 
are the are the language are uh, they used. I think that's Absolutely. wonderful. Uh, I particularly the part where they go through her many achievements as a TD. Absolutely, <laughs> which they knew. That's a natural thing for someone to uh, to put into a letter for this. Absolutely, and they knew what those things were, which is remarkable. They didn't need to contact her or her parliamentary assistant to get a list of those things printed out, including the letter. That's how much they admire her and have been paying attention to her, that they were able to list all of those achievements. That's, that shows you what a substantial figure she is Absolutely. and how this isn't about politics, really. This is about what's best for the Green Party. Which is, which is what is Catherine best Martin. for the... Yeah, but which is what's best for the planet. Because what's good for the Green Party is good for Ireland and is good for the planet. I think we have to... Ex- <clears throat> if you're not on board with that by now, Gary, I think then there's very little point in having a conversation ab- uh, about anything. You know, it's plain as the nose on your face. Yeah, I don't... Um, isn't her uh, Isn't her brother a uh, county councillor? I'm not intimately aware of the family, now, to be honest with you. It's a while since I've, I've been around. Just for I think I, Vin- Vincent Martin is in Kildare. Oh, Vincent North. Martin. Is, he, is she Vincent? Oh, right, right. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I'd never made that connection. He's, you know, it's it's weird because he's not on the list of councillors who signed that letter asking her to uh, run. Is that weird, Gary, though? Is it? Is it really? Well, I mean, if we wanted to run an American-style attack ad, why doesn't your brother support you becoming <laughs> head of the group? What does he know about you? What does Vincent know? Indeed. That's a good question, generally speaking. He's also got a good face to just be in the middle of an attack ad, just as a still <laughs> photo. Anyway, um, well, we wish the Greens the very best in their process of discernment about who is the best person to lead us out of Egypt and into Canaan and to save the world because, you know, it's an important job and who it's important that the right person does it. Or to walk away from government. Or to walk away from government in a principled stand. Like Fine Gael, have every intention of doing <laughs> But this is making it a lot easier. Oh, yeah. They are definitely helping out. It's going to be a hell of a lot easier for Fine Gael to get out of this one now <laughs> than, than previously. It's going to it's a big, 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 big help. I yeah, I think they are. There's someone in Fine Gael, H, or Fine Gael HQ just laughing, just looking at this and laughing. Well, laughing and blessing themselves and saying, thank God, I, I believe, I believe in God. We are saved because it was starting to look a bit. How they're going to get out of it? I they might have had to bring it down themselves. Yeah, that mightn't have looked great. And, that and was then the never, Greens just never like oh, the plan. We want, uh, we want the Attorney General, and we're also just going to implode over here. Anyway, it's it's all good. It's all good, healthy, clean fun. But uh, I suppose it's time to get out before the rains come and go for my eight mile jog slash run really i say i say jog but i i, I actually i run like a gazelle uh before the rains come and then we should be i did i hear a snort there i thought i heard a snort of derision but no 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 you see just when you said i run like a gazelle i mentally filled in if it was being savaged by a lion and anyway we'll not be the back. chase part literally savaged it's on the ground i will be back um it twitches a bit still, so that's kind of a run, but that's that's about as close as you're getting. We will be back on Sunday with our Sunday miscellany, and we'll be looking at all the fun and various stories of the week. 
Michael will be reviewing the 5k a day program. Uh, the what? 5k a day? 5k a day. There's a program, Michael, to run 5k a day every day for the next 30 days. Ah, uh, no, I wouldn't. 5k wouldn't be. Wouldn't, that would be no problem to a gazelle. <coughs> 5k is just. No, wouldn't be. I like to do the. I, I, do, I do 8k in the morning and then I do. I do 5 or 6k in the evening after, after tea. Well, I'm sure if you wanted to do a 20k or a 25k a day, we could review that as well. I'm not obsessed with the numbers, Gary. I just do it as an expression of joy in life. Well, then just run and come back with the numbers. I run, a bit like Phoebe. I just run for the pure joy of it. I don't get the reference. And then, then sometimes I wake up. But anyway, until then, stay. If you're not staying home, at least if you're out, stay safe. Don't sneeze on anybody. It's not nice. See you Sunday. All the best. <laughs>